Good evening, I'm Ted Koppel. Surely everyone knows by now that Buckwheat is dead. But for those of you who have not seen the videotape of Buckwheat being shot, let's take a look. This is automation, today's way of manufacturing. This is the challenge for today, to meet competition and rising costs by moving step by step towards automation. Continuous automatic production, including automatic handling, automatic making, automatic inspecting, automatic assembly, automatic testing, automatic packaging of parts and products in one continuous flow. The evolutionary step-by-step -step development is well underway today. The day a workers' movement famously said no to technology. That was the first day of the Luddite protests in England. Named for a mythical figure named Ned Ludd, the Luddites were textile workers who feared automated loom machinery would put them out of work and destroy their way of life. They fought back by breaking into textile mills and breaking up the hated machines. Ty Webb, Heavy Longmire, Gustave Mateblanc. Is GLK London transmitting on the short wave band on 10.4 meters at a frequency of 250 megacycles per second? This is GLK London transmitting on the short wave band on 10.4 meters at a frequency of 250 megacycles per second. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Come on then, Plato, enlighten me. Once again, I still don't know where Ty is, and I assume Heavy has probably got a bunch of Cheeto dust on his belly, and he's nodding off somewhere in the recliner. So this is Gustav Monteblanc, but I am once again, thankfully, so thankful, blessed by the presence of award-winning, noted historian, published author, Professor Brad. You're welcome. And this is Can You Hear Me, the podcast of two guys that are going to talk all about whatever comes to our feeble minds i've got a million things that just came up but did you want to talk about our opinions on um universal basic income about what we're going to do with people when the robots they've all, right. all they've been saying this forever well, let me do the housekeeping first tell okay. how people to get a hold of us because uh, i know that after our thrilling giant talk <laughs> people have a lot to say uh i'm on twitter at real gustav you are at bits are fun but you don't ever check twitter anymore and you can email us your thoughts and opinions at canyouhearmepod at gmail.com. And I will answer those emails eventually. That's a guarantee. All right. So the idea, as you mentioned, since the time robots have come along, and actually probably going back to the uh, the Luddites when the, you know the weavers were put out of work because of modern looms, the idea is that we're going to be technology is going to take our jobs away. Yep. And without any doubt, it has in certain aspects. There's no questions. Mm -hmm. But the people in Silicon Valley seem to think that automation is going to take everything over. And AI is a big component of that. 
I I don't know how it's not. So if we're close to driving cars, and I remember going 10 years ago, I was in West Virginia, going to a Sheets gas station and ordering food off a touchscreen. This is 10 years ago. It was really easy to do. It's got to be soon enough where everybody's going to be doing that. I, I, I hear that McDonald's is starting to implement the touchscreen. Yeah, I, I've uh, been to a McDonald's that had the uh, touchscreen, so you didn't have to actually order from the person. Uh, you know, places like uh, Wawa, convenience stores up there in the north uh, northeast and Pennsylvania and stuff, they've been doing that for years. You order your sandwich, and then, you know, they just hand it to you then after they make it. I watched a thing where it was a... Um, a pizza place that was going, trying to be as automated as possible where the pizzas are, the robots are making pizzas, you know, type thing. Jake says they're having the robots delivering the pizzas now. They have a... I, I haven't seen that. You know, there's definitely all this talk about drone deliveries, which seems like the worst nightmare. There's no doubt that they're... The flying stuff. I'm a little skeptical that's going to be... Yeah. Well, you know, I, I remember when I was a kid... My grandparents had a set of Childcraft children's encyclopedias from the early 60s, maybe late 50s, and I loved them. I mean, they were my favorite thing. I'd go over there and I would just go through these, you know, these kind of, I don't know, they were they were magical. And I still have them. I actually, you know, my grandmother gave those to me. I have them in my house. One of the things, you got flying cars, you got fucking kids in jetpacks, all these things, you know, that... In 1950, sounded great, and now we're like, whoa, <laughs> let's tap the brakes. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know that we'll ever get to the flying car, but self-driving cars coming. Self-driving cars, so there goes all truck drivers. And self-driving car, truck, drivers. yeah, that'll be an interesting thing. Now, that's going to be okay for roads, but things, I think, where you have off-road, I think you're still a long, long way from that. I'm not saying it won't ever happen. But when you get into elements like people hauling logs and that sort of thing, I I don't. We're going to have to go a lot further down the road of technology before we have automated lumber industry. Now the sawmills themselves, there'll be some automation. They're just like it. It always has been. I mean, we've gone from foot powered saws to steam powered saws. You know, all that. We're there's no doubt. There's always going to be a progression of technology there. But there's things that we're still a long way from. Now, I would hate to be a librarian. Yeah. I think that's one of those things where... Well, I I hear the hard books, like, I hear people, they're making a comeback and there's always going to be some demand for them. So... I meant more of like a collegiate librarian, like an archivist. Like, I could see where they... I know from personal experience, they stopped digitizing stuff because I think they're, they're afraid to lose their jobs. Like about 10 years ago, everybody was digitizing everything. And I thought, I'm never going to have to make a trip to an archive again. But they just stopped. And I think it's because they don't want to lose their jobs. I don't blame them. I mean, you know, that's one of those things. It sucks, though, for knowledge and, and just... You know, I don't disagree about that either. I, you know, I, I see I see the self-preservation, you know, I mean, that's the greatest human instinct is to try to try to stay alive i you know i know that you know farmers use gps now you know tractors come with you map out your uh, your field and how you're going to plow i think there's going to be enhancement and there's no doubt that one man can do the work of 10 men now just like 
one man can do the work of a hundred men with a hundred teams and a hundred walk behind plows. You know, it's, we do more with less and, you know, America's turned into a service economy to begin with. But that's starting to be taken over by the robots, not just the, the touch screens and the, the fast food, but like Applebee's. I don't think this was very successful, but trying to get people to order off the pads instead yeah. of uh, having a waiter. Uh, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. Now, one of the things that Silicon Valley and a lot of wonks, you know, policy wonks and stuff push is universal basic income. Okay. And the idea there is that the government would pay everyone X amount of dollars a month because automation has taken away jobs. And it would pay everybody, not just people that without a job or people with low income. It would pay everybody. So if you are hundred million dollars a year, you you also get this right. So let's say thirty thousand a year or whatever. And then that would actually replace and a lot and there's varying shades of it. You know, there's some where they say obviously there's some where they say, no, we're just going to pay people below a certain income and that sort of thing. Or that we're going to pay this, but we're going to take away food stamps, we're going to take away WIC, all these other things where they would go away, but everybody would get this. Now, there are certain examples of universal basic income, like the Alaska Permanent Fund, which was started back in the 70s, where based upon initially revenue that came from the leases that companies paid to harvest you know, oil and stuff like that, they paid the state, and then the state invested that money, and then they paid everybody out based upon how the market did, how their revenue was, they pay each citizen in Alaska like um, two or three thousand dollars a year. Alaska has what, like two, three hundred thousand people? I think it's about half a million, a little bit more than that. I yeah, think, but, but it's not a it's yeah. not a lot of people. But that's a uh, that's a real real world example of it. But it's once a year, a couple of thousand dollars, which I think is a godsend for a lot of people up there. It pays their fuel bill for the winter or whatever, but it's not, you can't make a living off of that. Mm -hmm. Then there's some examples of it in some of the Scandinavian countries. Again, not as, uh, obviously not as big a population as the United States. And And I think even when they did it up there, it was only like 5,000 bucks. Yeah, it's it's still, it's not the uh, living wage type thing. And then there have been a bunch of pilot programs that have been tried, but I just read an article yesterday or the day before about how they're shut down and the, the Canadians, they were going to go like three years and then they shut it down after a year in uh, Quebec, I think. But then again, that was only for a lower income. And I think there's one in maybe Modesto, California, that's again for low income, very small scale. But one of the key elements to this, and this is where you get into that policy wonk thing is that however you get the money, whether it's from, it's going to be taxation. I think there's some debate about, Oh, people could give to the fund. That's not, nobody's giving anything. Nobody's giving anything. I mean, there might be like, you know, the bill gates, the world, but it's not enough that it's going to, it's going to have to be through taxation. And then once the government has that money, then they're going to have to invest it. And that's where I get into the issue of, is the government just blindly investing, which is its own thing. Do they have to invest it, though? Or can't they just take it and just 
the second they get it redistributed. Well, the the taxation level for it to be a, a livable amount would have to be a huge tax. And then if it's taken, okay, so this like let's separate for the point of the discussion the difference between universal basic income because it's a good thing and universal basic income because we have to have this because we've just through automation and AI eliminated half of our workforce. So you being have needed. right now you have half the people high paying high level jobs that they're fixing the robots. So the robots are doing half the work and then you have half the people fixing the robots and then the other half of the people now are out of the job because right. the robots are doing their job. So let's talk about just because it's a good thing to do. Okay. So there's no doubt that's a, a level of socialism because you're re- redistributing wealth. Mm-hmm. And that's just a fact. You can't call it anything else. So if you did that. Technically, well, I'm not going to get into it. Well, I mean, if you're taking Redistributing it, wealth, I don't think is necessarily socialism. I don't think socialism is workers owning the means of production. Well, if the government. Well, no, it'd be both. It'd be both. So if we have, because it's a good thing, quote unquote. Even if we were taking the money straight from tax revenue and then rolling it over and distributing it, we're still taking it from somebody and giving it to other people. So that's a redistribution of wealth. So the people building the robots, they're getting no. We're, we're separating this. We're 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 going to have two discussions. We have okay. to because they're they're almost two different things. Okay. So if we do it that way, if we just clean it out, it comes in, it goes out. And there's no leftover. There's no surplus. Mm-hmm. We're putting it all out. Then that's almost, to me, it would be a pure thing. Because the government's not, it would be indirectly affecting the economy, but it's not driving the economy. Does that make sense? Okay. If the government has to instead invest that money to try and make a return to pay out, so they want to build up, you know, so that this can go on in per- and uh, in perpetuity, then the government has basically three options. One, they can be a blind investor. They put money in; it goes into like an index fund. Let's say is just a, the the most basic blind model, and then whatever it does, at some point when it's time to pay out, they're going to sell off. Now, think about how big. And I don't know if you know a whole lot about the stock market, and I'm not an expert by any means. But if you and I each sell 100 shares to buy a new Xbox, the market doesn't bat an eye because we sold 100 shares. If the United States government sells millions of shares on a certain date, and everybody knows that date because it's time for them to pay the dividend out, the market is going to instinctively be predatory against that. So, oh, so, yeah, but this is why I don't think they'll do it. I think they'll do what they do with Social Security, take it from one pocket, put put it in the other. Well, that's, again, if it was just going to be a 1000 bucks, everybody gets a 1000 bucks every year. I think the level that they would need to give every U.S. citizen X amount every year, it would be astronomical. I mean, we would be looking at, oh, let's see why we got 300 and... 85 million or something like that in the U.S.? All right, but here, here's what I'm saying. So the people that own the robots are going to be making, taking all the money from the people at the bottom anyway. So Well, and back to the, 
Henry Ford thing, like I have to pay my people enough to buy my cars type yep. thing. I do wonder, is there a tipping point where the people that own the robots are going to say, oh, wait, if I automate this completely, or if we all automate this completely, I'm not going to have anybody to buy my shit. Hmm. I don't think they think that. I don't think they think that right now. I think we might see some type of Luddite smashing of the of the looms where people are like, oh, we fucked up. And also, what? and this is, I think, the other part of our discussion, what are these people that don't have a job going to do but start? Right. I mean, maybe... Maybe it's great. You go in your video game world, you uh, Ready Player One. I don't know if you've you read that or seen the movie, but no. just people live in their small homes. They go into the world, uh, artificial world, and they spend their lives in there, and they ha- just have crap living conditions. But my 12-year-old could fit into that right now. Maybe that's that's what they're preparing us for, you know? Like, you're, you're not... Uh, you're not going to have a job. We don't want you re- revolting. We don't want you complaining about stuff. So here's enough to afford a small five-by-five room uh, with your video uh, virtual reality headset. You know, it's a dystopian future in its own right, and maybe it's maybe it's not far off. People like you and me, I think if you gave us a living wage... Now, if you replaced my income and said, okay, you can do whatever, I would still have to be active and do things. Me too. Now... The amounts that I've seen proposed for universal basic income in the event of automation takes everything, that would not be my living wage. So I would need to find something else to augment that. I think people that it might be close to what they're currently doing, I think I said 5% would absolutely go out and do more. I think 45 or 50% probably do more. I think 50% 50% would do nothing. They would sit there, they legalize weed, they have video games, and they just eat Cheetos all day. I think they would be fine with that. And they wouldn't complain about... They'd complain about They'd stuff. complain, but they wouldn't do anything about it. Okay. And that's that's the difference. I mean, especially now with social media, people complain about everything all day. Some of them. Yeah. And I think that if we... But people complain and don't do anything about it. Now, an interesting point, I don't know if you paid attention to France in the last month or two, in the Yellow Vest, they've been riding over a gas tax plus like a reduction in dental benefits when you're 65 or something like that. So those people are not the frog in the water, you know, where you put the frog in the cold water and slowly turn up the heat and it never jumps out. They're already, you know, they're jumping out, burning cars, doing all that stuff. I think America, I think we're so complacent. I don't know that there's a revolution about that. I think they would just bitch and bitch and bitch, but sit there on the couch, cashing their government $30,000 a year. Well, because they're assholes. Gasoline taxes to help the the planet, right? I mean, I, I assume that's the... I don't know what it was in well, France. I, I know what you're saying, though. But I, yeah. I, I think just they can do just about anything to us. Um slowly as long as they're doing yeah. it slowly and, and uh and we're, we're not gonna complain about now it. when you take things away from people and i think that was the other factor to it i think the french there was some type of reduction in benefits and you know the france uh the french have had a very uh union-based economy and strong unions and stuff like that they go on strikes the drop of a hat you know it's 
they're much more agitatable. Yep. Whereas unions have pretty much been destroyed in America, and whether that's right or wrong, I think that's a mechanism that's been, the fight's been taken out of the dog. Yep. Yeah, I agree. You know, I, I, I've seen, there's no doubt that unions in America had a huge positive impact on working conditions and benefits and job safety and the work week and 40 hour work week, all those things. But I do also think that they had a, a gluttonous effect. Sure. I worked up in Flint, Michigan, which, you know, that's an epicenter. There's, there's sections of highway that are dedicated to certain specific strikes. Hmm. Up there. But at the same time, Flint is a ghost town. There's still a couple, or when I was there, there were still a couple of plants. But for the most part, and I didn't work in a union industry up there. The people I worked with, though, they all had spouses that did. And these were people that are about my age, maybe a little bit older, mostly women. All of their husbands were retired. They'd put in 20, 30 years, started when they were 18, and retired. Yep. And then drew a pension and health, full health care and all this stuff. They were so glut, gluttonous. That's why Flint itself. Jobs just, came to Texas or yeah, China. Yeah, you know, they came wherever they went. And, you know, it's a ghost town now. Anyway, so I'm, I see both the good sides and bad sides of unions. But I do think that the crushing of the unions, I think that's taken the, the fight out of America as far as the, the workforce. I I just think that there there might be a tipping point, but the amount of money it would take to replace that, it would definitely require a huge tax burden on the producers. But that's the thing. The producers would be making a heck of a lot more. Like, I just think there's going to be people making $200,000 and people making zero in, in 20 years. Yeah. Well, and I don't, I don't disagree that. The the problem with the economy, and we are not economists, but the problem is it's not a an in game sum. You know, there's not yep. a fixed amount of like when we were on the gold standard. It's as much gold as there's actually in circulation. Mm-hmm. Now, things what valuation fl- fluctuated, but it was still a fixed amount. Whereas countries print money, so there might be some hyperinflation. And I don't know if you've ever looked at like hyperinflation in Venezuela or oh, yeah. Zimbabwe or things like that, where they're printing $10 million bills and people are using them for uh, toilet know, paper, toilet paper to start fires. You know, it's, I don't have the answers. I'm fascinated by it. I'm scared by it to a certain extent. You know, I mean, it's or worried by it. I don't, I'm not in a place in my job. That's a risk of automation, but the industry that I came from, I've watched that industry become more and more automated where it, when I was born, the people in that industry, there might have been 50 people in that department. And then by the time I came along 20 something years later, there were like 13 people. Mm-hmm. So I've definitely seen the, the progress of it, but to a certain point, there's a stopping point, but it could sure get to where it's. And there are things in my industry that I work with where I have seen automation and I shake my head at it and I deal with the people making the decisions about it. And I, and I don't think it's a good decision because I, it takes out the human element, which if it's done right, the human element is the thing that's keeping shit from hitting the fan. And I watch them and they're like, Oh no, 
we need to save money because we don't need as many people. I need to cut down on my FTEs. And I look at it and I'm like, you're making a bad, and I'll tell them you're making a bad decision. You've got your automation window too, too broad, you know, okay, tighten it down. But I like uh, in uh, universities, I I think they're pulling back from this, but everybody was online, you know, we're going to have them watch a video, maybe the video by best professor, you know, out there gets there, kids watch the video. They're getting this great lesson. Well, you remove the human element. The kid sees the video. They're not going to be paying attention. No, they're, they're on the around. Phone. There's nobody holding them accountable for stuff. They're going to find out ways to cheat. So there's certain things that humans, even when you get AI, I, I think that you can never remo- remove humans because there's some weird social element to us that uh, uh, is necessary. But um, but yeah, even then, though, I, I think it's going to be taking over a lot of jobs. So I, I don't know. I'm... I think it's going to. I, I don't have answers about how to do it. You know, the the thing with the universal basic income. Spouse stays home. It could just go back to the way it was in, in the 40s or whatever, right. or 30s. But, you know, again, inflation. So there's 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 two types of inflation. There's one, the infl- inflation of the dollar. But there's also the inflation of the expectation. Yeah. You know, I mean. When it was a two, uh, when it was a single income family, there was one car. Yep, that's true. Um, you didn't have AC. Didn't have to run as much. As not as much. You didn't have a uh, cell phone bill, an internet bill, cable bill. You know, I mean, we have. If I even look at what my expenses were when I got out of college versus now, it's like holy shit. You know, I mean. Now, granted, there are certain things that I, you know, I have all sorts of insurances because I'm a family man. You know, I pay all that. I I would be a lot richer in the pocket if not for that. But at the same time, I didn't have, I don't know, a cell phone. I barely had cable. You know, it's just, it's tremendous. And if you told somebody, eh, we're going to cut the cord and you're just going to have TV antenna and that's it. I mean... There would be a revolt. Yep. When we or what when we got rid of the satellite, and we don't live where there's a lot of TV stations to begin with, and they hadn't gone to the digital where you had like extra, but we cut the satellite bill, and it was like two hundred and something dollars a month, and we had Netflix and Hulu and Amazon, and they've certainly got more robust since then because it's been about five years now. My kids, and they were young, and they were eight and three and seven, they were pissed because now they couldn't watch the shows that they were accustomed to. Now they've adapted and it's a totally different world and they don't look back now. But if you told everybody in America, eh, it's just going to be back to over the TV, but you're not going to have that cost. You know, not going to have the internet. You're not going to have your phone. You got a home phone, Mm -hmm. but you're not going to have to spend a hundred bucks a month, 200 bucks in our case for, four phones or whatever would pay, you know, America is not ready to tighten their belts at all. Mm, I don't know. No, they're not. I'm talking about the sizes of homes are going down though. There's I, some of that. I think as long as people have their screens, they're happy and they don't need anything else. That's at least me. Maybe. Like I said, my, my nice clothes, kids don't care about clothes that much. <laughs> my kids don't give a rat's ass about clothes. Cars, they don't care about that. Maybe you're right about that. Maybe there's a contraction that 
what's on the screen is more important now. Yep. You want I to- mean, and to that point, the economy of games like Fortnite, where it's a free game, but people pay money to have outfits and dances. Yep. Do nothing for help you in the game at all. It's all about the cosmetics of it. That's always perplexed me, but that's that's a whole new paradigm that I don't understand. I get it. I see. Okay. Yep. I understand that this is a culture shift where they care about that instead of nice new nice shoes, new shoes, or a certain T-shirt or something. Yeah. But it's fascinating to me. Same here. I mean, I'm happy. I I saw on our little local news that somebody got jumped for their clothes. And then I saw, I went, you know, I saw the headline and then I saw the mom of the kid and she looked like somebody white trash whose kid would get jumped by other white trash mm-hmm. because of the clothes. And I'm like, well, I don't have to worry about that for my kids, you know, cause they'd rather have a new Fortnite skin or something. You want to talk about bullshit? Yeah, let's talk about bullshit, man. Okay. I got enough of this universal basic income bullshit. Got this, uh, present for, uh, for Christmas. What do you see there? Well, those are mini balls. Yep. Uh, as far as the conical ones and then musket balls. I'm not sure that this is actually old. That looks new that's just oxidized. Oh, okay. But the mini balls of a Civil War era musket definitely are older than me. And I'm assuming that these, uh, let's see, those are about maybe a 58 cal, which would be... I think the uh, Civil War calibers, it's pretty badass. So you know who got that for me? Smiling Ryan? Nope. KJ? Nope. That's all the people I know that you know. The ex-wife's new boyfriend. Or no, I shouldn't say new. Yeah, it's the same one's been there. Yep. That's so, like some reverse cuckolding. No. So what happened was, and this I'm patting myself on the back for approaching this. So I um, basically, I, I was thinking about things, you know, like I'm jealous. I'm just... I'm, when sure. I bro- broke up with the ex-wife or got divorced, she started dating this guy. My initial reaction was jealousy and stuff like that. Well, she broke up with you. you didn't no, break- she didn't. <laughs> no, nobody. Like, it's because I'm. It's I don't want to get into it. Okay. But anyway, uh, people so, miss sad, uh, sad. Brad. I know, and I feel so bad because I'm not as anxious anymore. And not. Oh, uh, you're much more. This is the most relaxed I've ever seen you. Maybe in the. the it's weird. Uh, it is incredibly weird. But we've known each other, what, three years now? I feel my appeal is gone that I'm not constantly scared of, of everything. Like, and I I'm, have a modicum of happiness, and I, I, I don't think people like that. So, any, any, Well, I'm happy to see it. Okay. Well, just know that I'm still miserable in, in, in a lot of ways. It's just I'm not. But not I do know, you know, anymore. when you first started your podcast endeavors. Mm hmm. Sad Brad was a key element of your persona. Yes, yes. And don't don't get me wrong. I'm not happy. I'm just not constantly okay. sad. Anymore. But, you know, and I know people like that. And uh, on your new podcast, Our Texas, there's really not an opportunity for that to come out too much. I know. I want to talk about like Sometimes stuff, KJ will kind of like try to coax you out. But I, I feel think he doesn't like it, to be honest. Well, I feel that y'all, y'all do a really good job. Okay. I, you do a really good job of bringing hardcore history, not just not Dan Carlin yeah. level, but you know, very. And then KJ is more the light-hearted, you know, yeah. kind of four country reporter type thing, which is great. But there's not a lot of the personality 
that we all grew to love. Yeah. Which stinks because that's the only time I ever get to talk right. about. But anyway, so, um, anyway, so you're reverse cuckolded. So basically what I thought is if this dude breaks up with her, I'm proven right. You know, like I'm right in validating my decisions. It'll show I'm not the problem here. She's the problem. Look, right. somebody else broke up with her. But then I, I th- thought about it. You know, if that happens. I don't think that's how it works. In my mind, it'd be okay. fine. You know, like, but then I thought about, well, if that happens, though, this is another relationship. My daughter's got to see that this failed. Sure. That's not going to be good for her. Um, there's other people involved. You know, this this won't be good for them. And so I thought, like, in, in my ex-wife, she was married before, like, her husband, ex-husband was terrible. He's right. Like, I'd try to hang out with the guy. The guy would just be a complete jerk and everything like that. So I thought... If I reach an olive branch out and like I, I go overboard and be nice, it might not get that satisfaction of me being right. Like, look, hey, somebody broke up with you. I might not get that feeling, but it's good for the daughter. You know, it's probably a more positive relationship with uh, uh, with them. And and then you know, if I croak, you know, then the do- the daughter right. will have a male role model around, which I think is positive. So I, I went and uh, on Christmas I I'm getting presents for the kid and i'm getting one for for her to give to her mom and i said well i'm gonna get one to give to this guy and i i uh found this book it was a history book but it's it's kind of you know crosses over was it arredondo no no that'd be (laughs) actually you know what i did like when i was really jealous like i would go over and make sure they had a copy laying around right you know hey i'm uh but anyway, no, it was, it was something. And, and Wearing a, you'd go over in a tweed jacket with a pipe. No, and this is the honest truth. I would go over like like wearing like muscle shirts and stuff. Like yeah, that. I remember you trying to intimidate him. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but anyway, I, I bought the book and I gave it to him as a Christmas present. He gave me this back, and I think it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. So I mean, I'm, there's I'm no growing doubt. as a person. I'm proud of you. Yeah. There's no doubt at all that in my mind. That the conical ones are mini balls. So he's from Northern Virginia. So that he lived uh, right. near that one. Probably not. I, I've probably got something that looks exactly like it. that rolling around in my desk from my muzzleloaders. But these are yeah, yeah. So anyway, I was just patting myself on the back for oh, that. That's good. Uh, so do you know why they were? Um, so a mini ball is not actually a ball. It's just what it's called, and it's mini because of the man that invented them. I guess I think it was French, not Minnie Mouse, but. So do you know why they have that hole in the back? So it expands when the gunpowder explodes. And right. then I, I thought it, that was a rifle. And this might be something I might have misunderstood, but I thought that was rifling. It expands and then it allows it to curve along the, the so rifling. So the, the rifle itself has the rifling. The barrel yes. has, and that expands and pushes into the rifling to give a better gas seal. And then it'll make it uh, spin better. It, well, it, it, it creates, by creating a better seal, then it gives it a chance to get the right amount. That that's what yeah that's yeah. that's pretty much what I, yeah. I figured and that I don't know where I read that but I, I I seem to know that so the the ones that are full balls are those just uh, pre Civil War those would be no you could shoot the same the same rifle oh so, really okay yeah. although that's actually bigger I don't I'm not sure what I'd have to get a micrometer out to see how big those are but um, these aren't the same calibers okay but you could shoot either in them it was just this was a more accurate and uh, more aerodynamic so with it being conical you've got less drag yep versus the ball is you know a lot more cross some more distance yeah but so with the ball like in the revolutionary time they would just have it 
like the brown best was like a 70.72 cal smooth bore that the British had. So they would have like a 0.71 ball. Okay. Just barely smaller. And they would, you could literally ram it with the ramrod or you could put it in. Looks like you're jerking off. Tap. Looks like you're jerking off a really big penis. But, uh, to your neighbors below, I forget that there's people underneath there. Anyway, you could hit it against the ground and it would seat the ball. Okay. With little effort. Because you're trying to fire as many as a time. But because it was smooth bore and a round ball, there wasn't any gas seal. There'd be a little bit, but not a lot. So you wouldn't get as far and you wouldn't get accuracy. Now, they had rifles in some regiments, but, you know, the Americans, a lot of them had their own guns and they were rifles. We would use a patch underneath this. So a piece of, uh, like, linen that had some fat on it, and then you would set that, cut the patch, or you could have it pre-cut. That patch would create the seal. Hmm. And then you would have a little more accuracy because of the seal, a little more distance, but you would have the rifling, which would then spin the ball and get you a straighter shot. Okay. Then this was no patch. I, I, some did, but a lot of them didn't. It would, And that's that because no patch, they could seat it faster and then... The gap in the bottom of the of the shell or uh, the uh, not shell yeah, shell be right. It would expand and create the seal that the patch would have. Okay, but you also had to get paper patches and all kinds of things. But that's pretty cool that he did that and that you got him a book and that you're making some spiritual growth. I'm proud of you. Yep, I had to get uh, credit for that though, so I don't know if that's no, not so I, much I think, growth. But uh, well, okay, so here's something to think about. Okay. You sharing your progression as a human, as a person, you're going to, a hundred people are going to hear this, if I'm lucky, a hundred people. And maybe one of those other hundred people says, hey, Brad did that. Maybe I can find a way to reverse cuck my ex-wife's boyfriend. Maybe. I don't know. I, I think it's I think it's something to consider. So I, I'm I'm happy for you. I've got other uh, news. That girl wrote back. So oh. the, in the previous uh, yes, episode, the, we discussed. That, well, um, reset that. Yeah. That uh, I believed that you you said that you believed that you could tell pe- where people are from in the country. Yep. I said I, I believe that as well. Um, and I pointed out that right before you came over, I'd actually talked to a girl on Bumble and said, I think you have a smile, nice smile, but it doesn't look like a Texas smile. It looks like you're from the Northeast. I had not had a response when we talked, but now I do have a response um, right now. Oh, she's from Texas. I'm completely wrong. What did she respond? She's like, I'm from Texas, motherfucker. She says, first, I thought you were kidding. It's a real thing. So I was telling her I'm the world's leading experts on interspecies cage fighting. The the Brad you hear is the Brad that I am in real life. Oh, no. I, I know that. I I know that. Yeah. So the listener uh, might, but I know that this is exactly real life here. Uh, but but anyway, I thought you were kidding. It's a real thing. I am from Texas. I grew up in Dallas. Where are you from? So, oh well, that's positive. She actually didn't just tell you to screw off. Yeah. So, so you want to just for the listeners, uh, Bumble the girl has to start. Out, she says hi, Brad, and I said, hey, Stephanie, what's the best way to impress you? I'm not very good at this. So I'm hoping you'll help me out. Um, she says back, what's a P1? Because I put that on my profile. Okay. And uh, you can tell her that you are a multi-time guest on the Soroy 
hundred percent. That's what I said. It's <laughs> it's a name for listeners of a radio station. I like. I actually got to be on the air a couple times because I'm the world's leading expert, interspecies cage fight expert. If that doesn't impress you, I know I don't know what will. And then she she asked what that meant, and I went on to explain it to her. So uh, I'm I'm legit. I, I same shit I I, I talk about. It's, but is how I live. You're much more comfortable in yourself than when I met you three years ago. Yeah, I am. I am, but it kind of sucks though because I automatically know what I like and what I don't like, and I'm I'm willing to say no to things that I don't think I'll like, and it, and I'm not trying new things very very often. Like I, uh, a girl will come up on uh, on there, and I'll immediately say, "Ah, it's not exactly what I like," and I'll just dismiss her automatically, or you know. Food. I, I don't I'm not, don't try much new food. Well, I think like there's a big difference in not wanting to try some Ethiopian food and ruling out a lady because she doesn't fit your narrow criteria of looks. Well, I'm b- more personality, right? But um, well, yeah, but you have a type. And actually, this is something I learned about a week ago, and I'm buying into this. Okay, okay. so I, I all the time on these profiles see these three or four. Four letters. It'll be like I J C F N M. No, I, I think that's something dirty, but it is something dirty. Okay, um, B D S M. That's one. No, I'm just kidding. That's not the one of them. But it's either very familiar with that one. E J S T. I think. Oh, would you take your personality test? Yeah, I took it. I think that thing's fucking accurate. As sh- I think it's incredibly accurate. I, I think so too. So for, for people part. that don't know, it's I think Briggs, Meyer, Higgs, yep. Bothan, or or uh, whatever. I, I, yeah. But it's um, Higgs Bothan's a particle collider. Yeah, but anyway, it's um, okay. We know um, what you're talking about. But you take this test, and it says this is your basic personality. This is the traits you have. This is the type of job you should have. And I don't know if this is just BS like astrology where everybody reads the same thing. And even if they're given the wrong thing, they're going to say, that's so me. But I read that thing and everything it said is me. Like one thing it'll say is you're not very principled in that you um, are are more willing to. You're not going to stand up for what you believe in. You'd rather make the other person happy and give in to, you know, say (laughs) even it's a completely illogical thing. You know, uh, oh yeah, I understand how how that is, I, or I can see that opinion, right? When in reality, you can't see that opinion. Yeah, but you're going to go wrong. ahead and say it, yeah. And then, um, just the way it said, I was extroverted in certain scenarios, but then you know, looking other, around like a squirrel waiting to get run over in others. Yeah, but I'm not the squirrel anymore. Not weird. as much, no. But, but uh, I haven't, I haven't been out in public with you in about mm-hmm. a year, in private, which is the only way I've seen you in the last year. I can tell a difference. I still don't like to go out, though. Like, I, I get I, scared in public. I think that I would still see uh, squirrel behavior in public with you. Yeah, that that's that's 100% true. So what did it, when you took it, what were your uh, let me initials look here? I haven't taken that test in like 20-something years, so I don't remember what mine was. But at the time, it did seem accurate ENFJT. So it's ENFJ, and then they say I'm a thinking type. Right. One, extroverted. Yeah. Extroverted, fidgety, jack-off. Jack-offer. Yeah. yeah. Well, that that's pretty much all of us. You know, I think that's one of those ones where I think it's fairly accurate in a, a pretty broad sense. I'm fascinated that people put that in their profile, though, because I guess that there's certain types that fit with other types yeah. or something. Yeah. And I, I think that the type... 
I want would be they said there's two I think that's really well and it'd be like so have you put it in your profile? No, I haven't. I maybe I should, I don't know. I mean, you can always take it out, put it in and see what happens. But yeah, m- maybe, but I I do like, you know, introverted. I I don't do like to be people to be have to listen to my bullshit, you know, like it, Right, but you also want people to be very interested when you tell them something. Very interested when they tell me something. Absolutely. You want basically me talking to you but a whole lot cuter. That's a hundred percent what I want. I would love if you were uh a an attractive uh twenty eight to uh thirty four year old woman who um yes, that's exactly what I right. like. A little thinner. Thinner, five yeah. five six and, and and probably below, but not not yeah. probably not below before. Well, I'm five six, so I'm certainly not thin. Yeah. yeah anyway. I I'm I make a very ugly woman. Uh, one year when we were young, Mrs. Gustav and I dressed up as Uma Thurman and uh, Lucy Liu from Kill Bill Volume 1. And I was Uma Thurman in the yellow and black stripe tracksuit. I am a very ugly woman. So you were you were Uma Thurman? Was I was that... Uma Thurman, blonde wig, fake tits. You know in that scene, uh, supposedly Lucy Liu says to Uma Thurman... you. You got five minutes, and five minutes she'll be dead, and then at four fifty nine she kills Lucy. Right? Did you know that? Yeah, I just I, learned that the I, other day. I think. I mean, I didn't know it when I saw it. I wasn't like checking it. I, I, I'm a big Tarantino fan. I, I really enjoy most of his movies. You know, I mean, there's a couple that are not quite the same caliber, but in general, I watched Hateful Eight the other day. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a little long. I think it's too violent, man. I might be getting old. Violent. Django and Chain was a little too violent too, but I I, I kind of like that one. Now, one thing that popped up because Mrs. Gustav likes Tarantino also, but she was sleeping half, you know, in and out, and she woke up as they're puking blood after you know a key point in the story, and that was more offensive to her, and I agree, than the actual perpetrated violence mm-hmm. that was. You know, there's something, I think, um, something much more real about somebody puking. And for us, we've actually dealt with people puking blood. I think that's, you know, even more, which is, it doesn't look exactly like that. Because it says somebody's diseased, I think. And I think it, it might be our human nature just to, you know, Because like if you have a, an upper GI bleed, when people puke blood, it's actually like they're puking coffee grounds. Oh, really? Like, yeah, like it's dry? really dark and it's, oh. yeah, it's not. I mean, if you had something like really high up and you puked, because it's just like if somebody has a, a lower GI bleed when they shit blood, it's dark. It's not bright blood. Bright blood's only if you're like bleeding from your your hemorrhoids or something, mm-hmm. your rectum. But if somebody's got intestinal bleed, it's going to come out dark. So anyway, that's probably more than most people wanted to know about blood. What else do you have? Um, or we can do another one. No, I was going to say. Uh, Another what? Another episode? Sure, we can do that okay. if you want. Or, yeah. We can watch. We can finish watching Omega Man, and we can do a, a Omega Man. Uh... Let's talk Omega Man. Yeah, let's go to the next one. And... All, right. All right. But do you have more? I mean, I'm... no. Well, I'll wait till the next time. I mean, I wasn't sure if you had something else to add to nothing. blood talk or uh, nothing to blood talk. Nothing. Nothing. Tarantino violence. No. Django Unchained was very violent. I thought that was Pulp Fiction was a perfect level of violence. Yeah. I would give that, you know, there's the ear in the Reservoir Dogs was certainly shocking. At the time it was, but it's nothing now. Not now, but at the time it was. Jackie Brown 
I don't like people getting shot in the head. That disturbs me. I don't think he's ever done that, though. I don't know. He's done shot in the head. I guess I, maybe there's certain things. Uh, he did shot in the head and hate Marvin. Parade. That really disturbed me. Oh yeah, yeah that that yeah. that that was that was gross. That's a great moment. Yeah, it's incredibly funny. But and then you know it leads to the wolf. Yeah. Now, what do you think about directors putting themselves in movies? I don't like it. I, that's one thing. I I I thought his character in Pulp Fiction was really funny. People are coming back and saying it's it's horrible these days or whatever. But whatever. See, I think he's okay as Mister Brown in. Reservoir You're right. He's, that's another good one. He's. And I think he's great as just a accent mark on Pulp Fiction. I thought he was awful in Django Unchained. Yeah, I didn't. That whole scene was off. I thought he he fit okay in Four Rooms. I don't know if you ever saw that. Been a long time. The one with Salma Hayek. The um, oh, in Desperado, Dust Till Dawn. Oh yeah, Dust Till Dawn. But he wasn't. Uh, the he director wasn't directing of that. it. No, but he was also in Desperado too. But he wasn't director of that. But. I don't know. He's not a great actor. That's, you know, I think we all agree on that. I, I'm just fascinated when directors who aren't actors put themselves in. Oliver Stone has done that a time or two, hasn't he? I don't remember which if Stone did. Hitchcock used to stick himself just not talking, but he would be in shots, you know, which I thought was always fine. But uh, he didn't, I don't think he did it every time. But all right, well. That's Pulp Fiction Talk. And you can email us at canyouhearmepod at gmail.com and tell us what's your personality type or any other tips for Brad to uh, increase his chances on Bumble. Is it Bumble? Yep. I, I should do, I'm told I should uh, diversify and get a couple of those things, but my phone doesn't have any space on it. I mean, what else is there? There's Tinder and Tinder, Bumble. And then um, Clover. Grinder. Grinder's one. I, I, I've had a lot of luck with Talk that about one. diversifying. Yep. I mean, you're instantly up in your odds. I wonder. Yeah, you are. Yeah, that, that's a I mean, stereotype. Is 100 percent true. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, dudes think with their dicks. <laughs> dudes do. So, hey, more power to you, grinder guys. Uh, best of luck. I wish I. I wish I was in that situation. You know, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. Would, would that make the since the apples? Yeah, I don't know. Closer to the ground with the easier. I, to I don't know how that works. I don't either. It would certainly be a different dynamic because it certainly seems, and and I'm I'm sure somebody as hot as you would have no trouble. But if you're, you know, the the dude that's been eating Cheetos, getting your universal basic income, you might not as have as much work. You know, the the ugly gay guy probably has the same struggles as a. I wonder about that. There's got to. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know. If you're if you're use grinder. Send us an email anonymously. I won't use your name. Uh, make up a funny name for me to use, even better. But I'm, we're fascinated by that. Fake Bailey J is my only real super gay friend, and she's that's no a whole help. different story. That's a whole yeah, that's a whole another story. She's no help. She's useless to me. Yeah. Useless. You hear that? All right. I guess we'll talk to you later. See you later. Adios. Bye. Two cervezas, and these are for you. This will just take a minute.
Muchas gracias. Tengo dos cabrones aquí. No. This reminds me of a joke. This guy comes into a bar, walks up to the bartender. He says, "Bartender, I got me a bet for you. I'm gonna bet you $300 that I can piss into that glass over there and not spill a single solitary drop." He's thinking about the glass, he's thinking about the glass, he's glass, he's thinking about the glass, glass, thinking about his dick, dick glass, dick glass, dick glass, be the glass, dick glass, dick glass, dick glass, and then he lets it rip. And he he's pissing all over the place, man. He's pissing on the bar, he's pissing on the stools, on the floor, on the phone, on the bartender. He's pissing everywhere except the fucking glass, right? Okay. So bartender he's laughing his fucking ass off he's three hundred dollars richer he's like <laughs> he's dripping off his face <laughs> this is you fucking idiot man you got in everything except the glass you owe me three hundred dollars punta guy goes excuse me just one second goes in the back of the bar in the back a couple guys playing pool he walks over to them comes back at the bar goes here you go mr bartender And the bartender's like, what the fuck are you so happy about? You just lost $300, idiot. The guy says, well, see those guys over there? I just bet them $500 a piece that I could piss on your bar, piss on your floor, piss on your phone, and piss on you. And not only would you not be mad about it, you'd be happy. check out <laughs> and you you took that just fine mm. god damn jimmy this some serious gourmet shit me and vincent would have been satisfied with some freeze-dried tasters choice right <laughs> and he brings this serious gourmet shit on us what flavor is this knock it off chili What? I don't need you to tell me how fucking good my coffee is, okay? I'm the one who buys it. I know how good it is. When Bonnie goes shopping, she buys shit. I buy the gourmet expensive stuff because when I drink it, I want to taste it. But you know what's on my mind right now? It ain't the coffee in my kitchen. It's the dead gentleman in my garage. Oh, Jimmy, don't even worry about it. Well, no, 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 think about anything. I want to ask you a question. When you came pulling in here, did you notice a sign out in the front of my house that said dead gentleman? George? Jimmy, you know I ain't seen no shit. Did you notice a sign in the front of my house that said dead gentleman? Storage. No. I didn't. 
You know why you didn't see that sign? Why? Because it ain't there, because storing dead... Gentlemen. It ain't my fucking business, that's why. Well, Jimmy, we're not going to no, store no, 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 them. No, 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 no. Don't you fucking realize, man, that if Bonnie comes home and finds a dead body in her house, I'm going to get divorced? All right, no marriage counseling, no trial separation. I'm going to get fucking divorced, okay? And I don't want to get fucking divorced. I mean, you know, fuck. I mean, I want to help you, but I, I don't want to lose my wife doing it, all right? Jimmy, Jimmy, she ain't going to leave Don't us. fucking Jimmy me, Jules, okay? Don't fucking Jimmy me. There's nothing that you're going to say that's going to make me forget that I love my wife. Is there? Now, look, you know, she comes home from work in about an hour and a half. Graveyard shift at the hospital. You gotta make some phone calls. You gotta call some people. Well, then do it. And then get the fuck out of my house before she gets here. Hey, that's cool in the gang. You know, we don't want to fuck your shit up. All I want to do is call my people, get them, bring us in. That's all. You don't want to fuck my shit up. You're fucking my shit up right now. You're gonna fuck my shit up big time if Bonnie comes home. And world class championship wrestling. I'm Bill Mercer with Jay Sally. Good night from Dallas, Texas.